You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Good morning, church! If you're in this room, it's because you're married! And we want to welcome you out to the London International Christian Church Marriage Class. But we need a prayer right now, so we're going to bring up Brother Eric Chapman from D.C. to pray for us. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we uh, come to you this morning thanking you so much, Father, for allowing us to come here today and, God, just to share in all the things that you're doing throughout your kingdom. God, just to see the brothers from around the world and just to be able to fellowship and enjoy one another's favor, God, is such a, a blessing for each one of us. God, we come just praying for uh, this time, God, with the marriage. God, that you really strengthen us, God, this morning. God, as we uh, learn what it means to, to lead, Father, within our families, God, to within our finances from raising our children, God, to really just being, Father, just men and women, God, that just love one another. God, we pray that you really help us this morning, God, help us just to really take away from this morning, God, just, uh, Father, another gift, Father, from your word and from each other. God, we love you so much and we thank you. We pray this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is uh, Carlos Mejia, and along with my wife, Lucy Mejia, we have the privilege, uh, we lead the D.C. International Christian Church. Uh, and it's just uh, so encouraging to be here with you, to have uh, Michael and Michelle ask us to come up. We're very, very grateful to be here. Uh, but uh, today we're going to talk about marriage, and uh, we have some speakers that have come from far away, and uh, some from not so far away. Uh, but uh, we have a, a total of 81 years of marriage here today speaking. That's a long time, guys. That's a long time. That's a long time right there. Uh, and we're going to have uh, our shepherds in D.C., Jack and Jeannie McGee will be talking about parenting and finances. Man, that's them over there. And uh, some other dear friends of ours, uh, Damon and Vicki James, they've been married 16 years, amen, and they're uh, shepherds in the City of Angels uh, Church, and uh, they're going to be talking about leadership roles, amen. And all the way from Sweden, really far, they've been married for a total of 18 years. Argo and Anu Lips will be speaking on intimacy. Everybody got quiet on that one. I don't know what happened. Whoa, what happened? Let me say it again. Argo and Anu Lips will be speaking on intimacy. And, uh, and I, I failed to mention that Jack and Jean have been married 34 years. Wow. Okay, and uh, they're only 30 years old. How are you guys doing that? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm totally an American guy. Uh, I was born in El Salvador, but I'm an American guy, and I like to have a little bit of fun. And I was trying to be proper, but I just, I don't know, I can't do it. So uh, I want all the brothers to uh, close your eyes right now. All the brothers. Don't cheat. All the brothers that are married, close your eyes. If you can raise your hand and tell me what your wife is wearing, you get a prize. Not, if you've been married over 30 years, Jack, you can't do this. <laughs> oh, that's it? 
Nobody else. All the guys that are speaking are raising. <laughs> okay, Blaze, tell me what your wife is wearing. Uh, a t-shirt, uh, red and gray, and then a, a jean, trouser, plus uh, Come on, come on, <laughs> Okay, um, is that right, sis? You're wearing red and green? No, gray. Gray and green. Oh, okay, okay. Is that right, everybody? Yeah. Okay, well, you get a prize, everybody. You get a pack of American M&M's. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know your name, actually, back there. But don't open your eyes. <laughs> don't open your eyes. What's your wife wearing, bro? T-shirt on Red shoes, yes, all right. Brother, you win a pack of M&M's. All right, all right, all right. Michael Williamson really wants to go, so we're going to let him go, because he's fired up. <laughs> she's not here, so what do you wear? She's got a black EMC shirt on. Uh-huh. She's got uh, black slacks and black stiletto heels, and her hair is up, and she has her black... Okay, okay, I, I have to give Michael two prizes here because that's pretty good. Okay, he gets munchies and a pack of M&M's. I think James really wants candy. That's what he really wants. Okay, bro. Oh, you open your eyes. You can't. Go ahead, brother. What is she wearing? Uh, well, see, I, I'm so besotted by D. Like, I, I've only looked at her eyes today. Oh. Oh. <laughs> because I looked at her eyes, like, I, I know that she's wearing her green bandana on her hair, like, which is, you know, I love it. You know, that, that just that, that carried me away, so I don't really know what she's wearing elsewhere. <laughs> Okay, th does he get a prize? Yeah. We're going to give him drifters. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Nick? Guys, right there. Okay, amen. Amen. All right. All right. If I can help, have somebody help me pass these out, one per person, that would be great. Thank you. James wants another prize or something. I don't know. Okay, did everybody get one? Thank you. Did everybody get one? You all got one, right? Great.
You didn't get one over there, did you? <laughs> Amen. All right. We just wanted to have a little fun there and give some prizes away. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of you will get an M&M just because you came today. How about that? Look at that. Okay. And uh, one of you will get a Bueno White because you came. Amen. is light my fire. Come on. And uh, Lucy and I, uh, we've been married almost 14 years. We have two boys, uh, eight and nine years old, and we've never had a fight in the 13 years we've been married. So that's why they asked us to come speak. So we're very grateful for that. Um, but I want to start off with a scripture. How about that, huh? To help you out right here. And uh, we want to start on a book of Song of Songs. In chapter 8. Verse 6. Place me like a seal over your heart. Like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's je- jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire. Like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. You know, love burns like a blazing fire. Like a mighty flame. Today we are going to talk about a match. I'm going to introduce to you a match. Everybody has one, right? And my wife and I, we're going to give you three points each, short ones, that have to do with how to light a fire in your marriage. Lucy will be speaking to the women, and I will be speaking to the men. I will let my wife come up and share a little bit first. talk about marriage. I love being married. Uh, we were married in the kingdom, and um, a year after I was baptized, we God, God blessed me with an awesome husband right away. So I wasn't single for very long, so I've been married most of my life as a disciple. And I love this scripture because it talks about... Um, Love being a blazing fire, and we know that um, that God is love. And um, what I've learned in being as uh, being a disciple is that having a great marriage starts with me being a great disciple. Um, when I'm not being a great disciple, my marriage suffers. And um, I think about the very first scripture that I, when I study the Bible with women, we teach the scripture. You know that if that you're superlatively happy when you're obeying God and obeying His word and being a great disciple. And, um, you know, I'm always fired up to teach that to the women that I study the Bible with. But sometimes in my marriage, I forget that. I forget that having a great marriage starts with being a great disciple. And I have done it both ways. Um, I've done (laughs) where I'm being a great disciple and I'm happy in my marriage. And then when I fall short in being a great disciple, I can be really miserable. And, um, Carlos was joking when he said we've never had a fight because we've, we've had a few fights. <laughs> um, but, you know, our first year of marriage, I'm, I, I don't know how long you've been married, 
years. Some of us have been married, you know, like Jack and Jeannie, 32 years. Maybe we have some newlyweds. Our first year was very challenging. Um, the adjustment period, all that. Then we had a few good years. And then we went through a really, really hard time right after I had my first child. We have, like Carla said, we have two little boys. And we had a lot of challenges. Um, unfortunately, you know, the churches weren't doing great at the time. Actually, they were doing really badly. And we were doing really badly because we were totally lukewarm. There was no discipling. Um, and so we really, really tanked in our marriage. And um, God has taken us through everything. But through that, what I learned is, you know, um, in Malachi, I love the scripture in Malachi 2.15 where it talks about that God created the man and woman because he was seeking godly offspring. And I think about how God wants us to be fruitful. Like right from the beginning, God said, go and be fruitful and multiply. And that's God's plan for marriage. That's what I've learned. And as a disciple, God wants us to be fruitful. Like that's his plan is to build family and to build the church. But Satan's plan is to destroy the family through bitterness and resentment and sin. And so um, we're going to talk about, um, you know, three, three things, um, three ways. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis. And I think Carlos is going to share about that. But we're going to talk about how sin is really what brings us um, down because it shames us our sin and so um, I'm just super grateful to be here and to you know just share what God has taught us through the years Amen. Amen you know this match that you have in your hand or wherever you have it you know the title is light my fire but how do you light a fire without a match you can't light a fire you have to have something to light it with and we're going to give you three aspects of this match in order for you to light that spiritual fire. And the implication there is that if there's a fire, that means that you have a direct line to God, and all you have to do is light it up, and you're on. Because when you're a disciple, there's a direct line to God. It's kind of like a gas line to your stove. All you do is go click, 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 and the flame comes on. See, we're totally connected to God. But let's go back to Genesis. Chapter 2. And we understand here that God created Adam, and he looked at the poor guy and said, man, this guy's lonely. You know, he's just naming all the animals. He's working in the garden. I need to help him out a little bit. Let me give him a wife. Let me give him a suitable helper. And then right here in verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. If you want to know about a perfect state in marriage in the Bible, it's verse 25. They were completely naked and felt no shame. And it's not just physical nakedness, guys. It's completely raw. Like, this is who I am. Where nothing shames you. Hey, this this is my background. This is where I come from. This is what God made me when I was a disciple. Look what God has done in my life. All your fears, everything. Just completely raw. And you know, what's interesting is how many of us are afraid even of our spouses. To be completely raw. 
You know, like Lucy shared in 2003, we were actually in the ministry. We were leading an AMS ministry in L.A. And all the churches fell apart and all the discipling completely stopped. And in our marriage, we need discipling so bad. I mean, we, we desperately need it because without it... We, we lose track. You know how Jesus says, hey, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you? Yeah. The bottom line is, I need to be taught to obey the Bible every single day by somebody else. You know what I'm talking about? To be reminded of this scripture. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. But we didn't have that. And I remember coming to church, the City of Angels, in 2007, May. We came into church and we sat all the way in the back. We didn't want to be seen by anybody. We just wanted to show up because this was the new movie. We said, well, we better sit in the back. But then the clapping started. The singing started. And then the preaching. The communion. And I said, this is the church I was baptized into. But as soon as we were done, I said, we got to get out of here. <laughs> you know, I was like, whew, I don't want him talking to me. There's Kip and Elena. I don't want him talking to me, you know. But of course, Kip, bro! Like, oh my gosh, you know, amen, bro, how you doing? Amen. And so, as soon as we said that, we left, we get in the car, and our kids come in the car. They said, Dad, Mom, that was the best kids kingdom we've been to! We're like, What? Man. So the next day I get a call from Kip. He says, bro, we'd love to have some time with you. Okay. What, okay. Where, when? Okay, so we met at the Good Earth at 12345 Ventura Boulevard. So I never forget that address. You know what I'm saying? And so I remember we got to the restaurant, and there were Kip and Elena sitting in the corner with something I hadn't seen in a while. A Bible. And I thought, oh, we're getting discipled. <laughs> We're getting discipling. So we go in and we sit down and we're talking. And, and, and uh, Kip and I asked us to share our story. We got to share our story. And they shared their story. And then Kip starts reading scriptures. I thought, wow, this is a new teaching? Or what's going on? Because I hadn't been had deep time in so long. And so therefore started our journey. And for three years we were discipled by the McKeans. In every area of our lives from the scriptures. Amen. I mean, Kip always and Elena always have their Bibles, and we were blown away by that. And our marriage was a mess. I had gotten focused on making money. I bought a Porsche. I bought a Volvo because she got the Volvo, I got the Porsche. And then we had a third car for just in case. And you know, our house, we remodeled it. It was all about focused on making money and filling ourselves with all this stuff. But as soon as we came back, God had a plan. He said, yeah, I'm going to start taking all the stuff away from you. And all I had again was God and His kingdom. All we had was God and His kingdom. We had to deal with our marriage. Because there was one time I came home and Lucy says to me, hey, you know what? I want to get a divorce. Why? You're never home. You're always working. Because in order to buy all that stuff, you have to work extra hours, extra days, extra months, so you can support your habit of all that stuff. But we were being discipled on our marriage, and God restored our marriage. And His whole goal was to bring us back to verse 25, where we were both naked and felt no shame. And see, that should be your goal in your marriage. 
when you're both naked and feel no shame because you're God's children. Point number one, the thing you'll notice about a match is it has no shame in being confident because it knows it's a match. See, you should know that you're a, a disciple. And you should not be ashamed that you're a disciple. Let's go to Proverbs 31. Now, this is a, this is a scripture that men love. And, uh, you know, we love it because it really goes through what a woman should be. I remember telling my wife when I first met her, or a couple of weeks, months later, I don't remember, but I said, this is the kind of woman that I want. No pressure. Very bold. This is all I want. So, hey, amen. amen. This is awesome. scripture over and over and over and over and over again. I thought, man, this is awesome for Lucy and all the women in the church. (laughs) I mean, if you don't make it here, who are you really? But I I read it and read it and then God said, no, wait a second. There's a little part here for you. As a matter of fact, it's the biggest part in the whole passage. And, you know, as brothers, we need to have no shame in being confident men of God. Look what it says here in verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. It starts off with a question. Who can find a wife that, that out of noble character? And then it says a statement. She's worth far more than rubies. But then look what it says in verse 11. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Her husband has full confidence in his wife. You know, in order to have full confidence in your wife, you got to be a confident man of God. Amen. You know, and all the things, every single passage, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life, because her husband has full confidence in her. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands, because her husband has full confidence in her. You see, you can't expect your wife to be all these things. If you're not a confident man of God. And that's where I made the mistake. Because I thought she needed to be these... I I thought, well, I'll just be respected at the city gate. That'll be awesome. Let me go sit with the elders. Oh, hey elders, how you doing? I'm here. Man, my wife is awesome. Let me bring before you that where your wife is at today is because of where you're at spiritually with God. I love coming into details with couples. But I bro, you need to disciple her. I'm not married to her. You need to disciple her. That's your wife. Bro, you need to help me with her. No. Let the scriptures guide you. You need to be confident in the Lord. You need to be a confident man of God. And you know, I always felt like when my wife's not doing well, I think it's all her, it's her fault completely. I'm like, man, something's wrong with her. You guys ever think that? Yeah. And then I start, if I start examining how have my quiet times been the last few weeks, 
Have I been having deep time with her weekly? Have I been, have we been intimate? Have we been talking about the kids? Have we been doing all that stuff? Wow, I've been missing this, I've been missing that, I've been missing that. And she's starting to fade spiritually because that's the way I've been leading her. And you got, we, we as men got to take full responsibility. See this match? It's completely confident. It knows it's a match. It knows it has no other purpose but to light a fire. What's your purpose in your marriage? Lucy. Okay, so my uh, first point is no shame to have been created for him. And in Genesis 2, uh, verse 22, the Bible says that then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And so this scripture teaches us that God specifically made woman, and he brought her to the man. And um, I don't know about Europe, but it might be similar to the U.S., but that's like blasphemy in the U.S. Uh, women have this attitude, um, where I come from, I don't know if anybody can relate here, but basically the attitude is, I don't need a man. And I don't need to please him, I don't need to be a certain way. It's, it's an attitude that we carry around, and it's... It's really diametrically opposed to what the scriptures teach. And I think that as women, we've really, really been misled and deceived from infancy, really. Um, and this is what our young women are taught. Like, you know, um, in our campus ministry, some of the sisters, <laughs> I've had to work with them a lot because literally they, they, this, it's, they have this rebellion that they're taught, you know, and some of them, you know, if they go to all women's school or all women's college, they come in very, with that mindset. Um, but the Bible says that we were created for a very specific purpose and a very specific role when we're married. And I want to persuade you, sisters, that we need to love our role, the role that God has given us, and that we were really created for our husbands, not the other way around. I think it starts there with just having that mindset, and really, we are a gift to our husbands, and you need to feel very proud of that. I didn't always feel proud of that because I didn't realize that. I need, I need to let the scriptures teach me that, you know, the Bible says, for example, in Proverbs that a man who finds a wife um, finds favor from the Lord. So you're a gift from God to your husband. Um, and uh, we really need to understand that and not be, not be, I used to be embarrassed to even think that. Like I said, in the U.S., that's like ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh, no way. We're equal and, you know, all this stuff. But that's not true. We're, we're not equal. We're different. And God created us for uh, a purpose. And so um, I just uh, want to read one more scripture. It's a controversial scripture. And <laughs> it's in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 11 verse 8. And it says here um, from 8 to 12. It says, For man did not come from woman, but woman for man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. 
So if everything is from God, we need to really love our role and love our role, but not worship marriage. Because I fell into that. Uh, trap of where, and what does it look like to worship our marriage? I think um, one of the sins that I that really brought me a lot of shame because I literally almost fell away from God. I mean, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I showed up to church every Sunday, but I was just my heart was so far because I become so embittered. I started to really worship the idea of marriage and what it needed to look like and if it didn't look a certain way if my husband wasn't loving me according to my needs it became very self-focused it became about my marriage and it wasn't I wanted Carlos to love me so much and I focused so much on it that when he fell short I became resentful and embittered and I was in so much sin I couldn't see straight and so we need to love our role, but not become obsessed where marriage becomes an idol. Um, so I don't know if you can connect with that as women, but I know, I mean, we are in, I, we're in a lot of counseling sessions, and that's a struggle for us. So no shame in being created for him. You know, there's nothing more that a wife loves than a confident man in the Lord. It's just amazing when you've come back from a quiet time and you're inspired by God. You just walk differently. You stand up taller. You know, you're like, man, I'm feeling great with the Lord. And, and the wife just go, that's my husband. That's awesome. But talking about shame and being shameful to show that, a lot of men struggle with this. They're afraid of their wives. A lot of men are afraid to say the hard things in love. And I've done it both harshly and kindly. And let me tell you, harsh doesn't work. But being kind to the Lord, it does work and it helps out. Which brings us to point number two about this match. No shame in pursuing your wife. You know, in order for this match to work, it just, by itself, in of itself, it doesn't do anything. It just sits around. Look at it. It's just hanging out. It's like a guy, huh? He's just hanging out there. Look at that. Just hanging. But in order for you to make this work, you got to strike it. you got to do something with it. You know, you can't just stand. you got to... No shame in pursuing your wife. Go to Ephesians 5. You know, when we first met our, 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 our spouses, or our, well, we saw them in the kingdom, amen, and uh, I saw Lucy, I remember first day she came out to church, and I just happened to go to her baptism. I, you know, I, I wasn't in her Bible talk, but I said, I gotta go to her baptism. Just, I want to make sure they do it right, because they might miss, her foot might come out, and I might be there to go, hey, your foot, you know, I'm and so, you know, I'm going, so I show up at her baptism, and I'm like, Amen, fire up, amen, 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 you know. And, uh, I mean, it was awesome, you know. And, uh, you know, the next, I find out she loves watermelon, and um, so at midweek, you know, I cut her up all this watermelon, and I say, hey, sis, I'm just happy to be here at church, you know, just watermelon fell in my pocket here, I buy you watermelon, amen, it's awesome, you know. And uh, she was fired up, I love watermelon, you know, I'm like, amen, that's awesome, you know. And... Uh, you know, so I, I uh, you know, at that time I had hair. And, uh, yeah, back in the day. And, uh, but the only problem is I only had like three or four in the front. And then it would start back here. 
But I comb those three hairs. I mean, I'm like, I'm keeping these hairs, boy. I mean, I'm fired up on my hairs. And so, you know, I, I'm, and, and I wasn't in the best place. I was in a frumpy stage. You know, guys, you ever been there where you just don't care what you wear? You just like come in the middle. Hey, what's up? What are you doing? You know. And uh, my my uh, wife uh, looks at me. Hmm, this is a nice guy, man. But I started changing the way I was dressing because I was pursuing her. I started uh, walking in taller. My quiet times were getting better. Hey, what are you doing? I wouldn't look at her at midweek, you know. Just I gotta focus on this lesson, you know. Focus, you know. And you know. I, Pursuing her, I, I started doing whatever it took to pursue her. Spiritually, I said, oh, man, I gotta be a man of God. I just gotta. And at the time, I wasn't leading anything because, you know, God had taken me out of leadership. And so she says, So there's a lot of leaders here, so what do you do? Well, I lead in other ways. <laughs> I'm part of God's church, and uh, I'm a leader, but it's in other ways. She's like, Oh, okay. She's a young Christian, you know. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, I'm glad she didn't ask me any for, you know. And, uh, you know, right here in Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her, present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know, as soon as you get married, it's kind of like you just stop pursuing your wife anymore. You know, you live with them, you take them for granted, you come in, hey honey, you know, you brush your one hair, you know, and it, things just don't matter anymore. Because you got her. And see, man, we love to pursue. But as soon as we get it, we're like, okay, I'm done, I got it. Okay, now what, now, now what God? And that's a trap. Because that's what leads us to impurity, pornography, and other desires. But the Bible says here, you got to pursue your wife. It says, husbands, love your wife, just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up her to make her holy cleansing by her by the washing with water through the word. See, you got to wash your wife with the Bible. All the time. Why? The implication there is that Satan is going to come after your wife harder than, harder than she comes after you. Than Satan comes after you. Why? Let me tell you why. Because, you know, myself, I can do okay. But if my wife is not having a good day, it totally affects me. Like, I come in, I'm like, hey, honey. Hey. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're falling away. I mean, you know what I mean, like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? It, it, it just, you know what I'm talking about, brothers. It affects us so much. And, I, you know, I remember uh, when I first started speaking uh, back in 98, uh, and uh, we were, I was full-time, and I would look at my wife, and if she didn't smile, I thought, oh, man, I'm not doing a good job. Oh, man. And, you know, I'd look at her, you know, and, but it would affect me. Like, what was going on? And so the bottom line is, I need to consistently help my wife to be a spiritual woman of God. They just don't get there by themselves, guys. 
We need to help. We need to encourage. I need to read the Bible. I need to share my quiet times with her. Share scriptures and tell her, listen, this is what I've been reading. Is that awesome? You know, we used to do that. And all of a sudden, when all the disciples went away, all the church, all that stopped. Now marriage became something else. Something that I didn't even recognize it anymore. I don't know what it was. And so many marriages were destroyed. There's so many divorces that happened. Friends of mine getting divorces? Like, what is happening? You know, there's no shame in pursuing your wife. There's no shame in bringing her a flower. There's no shame in taking a shower and taking her on a date. You know, i got to be honest with you guys. Some of the brothers, I mean, you, 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 once you get married, you just give up and, you know, you gain weight. You don't take care of yourself anymore. And it's like, what, what's going on? You just let yourself go. And then you expect your wife to be, hey, you need to be Proverbs 31. Go get me some flax and some wool. Make me some pants. You should get up at 4 in the morning and get me some food. That's what, that's what the Bible says. You saw that, right, in Proverbs 31? And then you're scratching your stomach there, you know? Spiritually. But you have all these expectations of your wife. And then when your, and your, and your marriage is not going well, it's all her fault. You know, i got to share a secret with you, sisters, because I, I think you need to know this. Men have something that's called a nothing box. I'm serious. Have you ever walked in and your husband is sitting there and he's changing the channels? Okay, and he's just doing like this. And you're thinking, how can, what is going on with that man? And you say, hey honey, how you doing? Fine. What are you thinking about? Nothing. It's true. I am totally, no, no, I'm serious. Nothing. And they're literally thinking about nothing. See, the problem is women think a little differently. Women come in the house, and they're like, oh man, there's clothes on the floor, i got to wash them. And then on Friday, i got to go buy some new pants. And then on Thursday, oh, the kids need clothes too. I'll go to Target on Saturday. That's connected with the meal. I have to buy some food at Target and bring it back home. And then we got to sit down. Oh yeah, oh man, we got to go to Sunday service. Then we got the leaders meeting. And then we got all Bible talk. And it's all associated with everything. Everything's interconnected. Men? We blow up. Oh! Because we don't know what to do with all that information. I mean, the man literally, I mean, now, so, men have a nothing box. And I believe God gave us that so we can restore ourselves to go out and hunt. Oh, here's a meal, honey! Because, let me tell you, if you were interconnected, like if men were made that way and we were, were made to be hunters, we'd go out there and we'd see the animal and we're like, okay, if I go over there and I attack him, he's going to kill me. Uh, then, I, then I won't be able to help out in the house. I won't be able to vacuum. I won't be able to, hmm. You know, I should probably shoot and kill him. You know, I'm just going to go home. Hey, honey, I'm home. Where's the food? Well, I was just thinking. Right. 
if I killed him, what if I would have died? You know, it just didn't make sense. See, when you have a nothing box, you're like, oh, God, oh, I can't believe I just did that. Oh, because you were in nothing place. And, and so the bottom line is, we we get that. But man, we gotta pursue our wives spiritually. We we gotta help them. You know, my wife, uh, I, I, I I love her so much. She's my best friend. She's my soulmate. She's, you know, I mean, I, it, it's a miracle that God allowed me to marry her. You know, I'm not a good-looking guy. I have no hair. I got hairs going right here in my ear now. I'm like 40. I'm like, gosh. I'm like, I got like no hair. It's little right here. My beard doesn't connect. Some places I can't have a beard. You know, but you know what? I love God. I'm not the best dresser. She dresses me. But I love God. I don't have a lot. I don't come from a rich family. I come from a poor family. I was born in El Salvador. I immigrated in the U.S. Everything's against me. But I love God. I know my purpose. Do you know your purpose? This match knows its purpose. See, there's no shame in pursuing your wife. There's no shame in holding her hand and still walking down the street. Even if you're married a hundred years, it doesn't matter. There is no shame in that man. Amen. Um, my second point is no shame in being a suitable helper. And I love that story about the nothing box and women having everything interconnected because it's when, when I didn't understand that, uh, like just that simple fact that men and women are created differently by God, I would get so upset and I didn't like being a helper. I really didn't like helping Carlos. It was, he would just like be irritating, like, oh my gosh, why do I have to help him? And it's just, <laughs> it's just sinful. But in Genesis 2.18, it says that the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And when I think about a helper, I think about a servant. And really being a suitable helper is being a servant. And when I think of a servant, I think about Jesus. And I want to read you a scripture we're all familiar with. It's in Philippians 2. In verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And really, it takes faith to believe the scripture and to believe that we need to be like Jesus and we need to be servants and we need to humble ourselves and to me um, you know it, it, it has really been a challenge to really embrace my role as a suitable helper and to become a servant to become less to be the one that goes first when you know we do have a bumper you know to humble out you know, um, there is no shame in that. But for years, I was, that was to me because of the, you know, I come from the world. I wasn't raised as a kingdom kid. Um, it was really 
hard for me to change my mindset and and realize that in my marriage God wants me to be a helper to my husband and a helper suitable according to his needs not what I think because I used to do that a lot too like well I'm helping him so I'm going to tell him all the things that are wrong and really to him that was so unloving because I was I became a nag I don't know if anybody can relate but <laughs> I became a nag it was like oh my god and just and here's the deal I am not mastered this I understand my role and I have a heart for it but I have not mastered even last night I got a lot of discipling on that on this specific thing like okay Lucy you have to encourage and you know tell Carlos all the awesome things that he is because I tend to focus on the negative and that doesn't help the brothers just FYI it doesn't help <laughs> um, but I have another story about you know I keep sharing about our campus girls but um, they have they have bumper stickers or posters that they put up anything boys can do girls can do better have you heard that one yeah anything boys can do girls can do better and really you know it can be cute and whatever but it really it's not because it feeds into that arrogance you know if we think of ourselves superior to our husbands that's unspiritual and worldly and arrogant and I don't think there's one woman who, who hasn't thought I don't care who you are oh my gosh I could do that so much better than him I mean that's just where we go in our sinful nature but God God's plan is totally different he created you and me to be helpers to be servants like Jesus and to humble ourselves and there is no shame in that Amen Amen Number three, no shame in being hot for God. This match is confident because it knows it's a match. Do you know that you're a disciple? This match knows that in its confidence, all it has to be has to be struck, and it'll light up, and then it gets hot. And see, today it's yes, we wanna. Light a fire in our marriages. But the first thing we got to light a fire in is for God. And in turn, it will light up in our marriages. Go to Revelation 3. You know, we've heard this scripture many times. I, I went through it and I thought, okay, i, I got to really understand lukewarmness. And let's read right here in chapter 3, verse 15. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salt to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. Now, you know, sometimes we get ashamed about being hot for God. Like we don't want to share our faith. You know, what's the purpose of marriage? If you remember in Genesis, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. It doesn't say a wife will leave his, her mother and father. It says a man leaves his mother, a father and mother, and be united with his wife. 
Well, why? That unity is for God, not for us. See, some of us got married for the wrong reason. We just want to be united with our wife and that's it. No, 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 no. That unity is for God. And there's a purpose behind it. It's so we can be fruitful. And in a marriage, you need to be fruitful. There's nothing like baptizing another couple, a single person, having them over for dinner. It is just amazing. You're like Nehemiah. They built the walls around the city, and the walls protected the city. I think of the marriages as the wall that protects the city of singles. But we got to have hot marriages for God. And, you know, right here, the, the, the Scripture says, you know, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, you know, basically I'm about to spit you out. And this right here, to me, this is a prevention Scripture. See, because after it says, you do not realize. See, because once you've gotten to the point of lukewarmness, you don't realize that anymore. You're just there. And you're walking around, and you're like, I'm fired up for God. No, you're lukewarm. And this is a prevention scripture, and I want you to start asking this question. In every decision you make, in every area of your life, I want you to ask this question to yourself. This decision that I make right now, is it hot for Jesus? Is it cold for Jesus? Or is it going to be a lukewarm decision? See, Jesus is telling us how to prevent being lukewarm. Let me tell you, if you ask that question, is this hot, cold, or lukewarm? It will change your perspective. You'll be like, well, maybe it's lukewarm. Maybe it's not. Is it hot? Is it bold? Is it going after God? Is it amazing for God? Gosh, no, I don't think so. Because if you keep making lukewarm decisions, you will end up lukewarm and you won't realize it. But when you're hot, everybody knows you're hot. Everybody, your wife knows you're a man, man, my husband, he's hot for God. My wife, she's hot for God. And it's so inspiring. We can't be ashamed of being hot for God, brothers. We can't be ashamed of sharing scriptures with our wives. Well, I don't, I don't really know the Bible, bro. Okay, learn it. Well, but, but bro, I, I mean, she's such a strong wife. I don't know. She knows the scriptures better than I do. Okay, learn it. But bro, you don't understand my wife. She's a tough cookie. Okay, learn how to be tougher for the Lord and lead her. But bro, she is so smart. Well, I can't help you in that area, bro. You got to be hot for the Lord, amen? You know, I always go there because I know my wife's smarter than me and I go, uh, I just got to be hot for God, amen? she gets fired up see the point is guys that there is no shame in being hot for God there's no shame honey I shuddered with 25 people today on the way home from work there's no shame in that let me tell you if you start talking that way you're going to start doing it it's just going to be amazing and people around you man this marriage is all for God I can't believe what are they doing oh they're sharing their faith whoa Sharing your faith? That's it? You're just going back to the basics. Otherwise you will end up lukewarm. You'll have a lukewarm marriage. And lukewarmness will lead to divorce. Yes. Yes. It will. I know it very well. Let me tell you, we were there. 
Go ahead, Liz. Okay. So my third point is no shame to be ruled over. Genesis 3, <laughs> Genesis 3.16, sisters, it says, To the woman he said, this is God, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember the pain of childbirth, and um, it wasn't um, very pleasant, but then at the end of it, I got these two cute little babies, so that was awesome. Your Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you doesn't always bring as much joy. Um, and that's the truth because I have first I have to understand okay understand my role understand God's purpose understand God's sovereignty accept my role love my role know that God loves me and that I'm very special um, but then here's this this awesome scripture <laughs> that goes against again everything that I've been taught from infancy there's um, another very popular and I'm you know, you're learning a lot about American culture and, you know, American women. But there's another uh, very popular poster and bumper sticker that um, women have in the U.S. Um, and it says, boys are dumb, throw rocks at them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've had very long discipleship times with single women about this poster, trying to persuade them, okay, this is worldly wisdom. You know, boys are not dumb. Do not throw rocks at them. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, we want to believe that we are smarter. We want to believe that we are stronger. We want to believe that we can do, we are, that we are more spiritual. We want to believe all these things. And, you know, Kip says that sometimes, you know, God, that God, um, puts a leader in marriage, and that's obviously the husband. And he doesn't always, you know, the the husband is, or maybe the leader is not always the smartest one. Um, and that may, or sometimes that's true, sometimes that's not. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the rules still stand, and God's word is God's word. And um, I want to read another um, scripture in First Peter. First Peter three seven. It says, oh, sorry. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you lived with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That's another scripture that I didn't like very much. I don't like to think of myself as weak. But I think about, you know, just if you think about a glass jar and you think about a wine goblet they're both made out of glass but which one is weaker it's the goblet right it breaks easily it's more delicate it doesn't mean that it's inferior it just means that it's created differently for a different purpose and so that that really helps me to understand you know what it's okay for my husband to rule over me because it's God's plan. Again, surrendering to God's plan. And I think about Jesus and how he submitted to God. 
you know, and that really helps me to be reverent. It helps me to be reverent of marriage and of God's plan for marriage. And, um, you know, I think about myself, and this really has to do with respect, I think, for women. To be ruled over at the end of the day has to do with, um, if, you, if you accept that, then, you, then you're going to accept that, you know, we need to be respectful towards our husbands. And I think this is a real struggle for us, um, just to consistently have that reverence for God and in turn be able to be respectful to our husbands. Um, sometimes it's very easy for us to to be respectful to our bosses or even a president, you know, any president of any nation, whether he's popular or not, when he comes, you know, to a different country, he's given the proper respect. Even then, even if they're not popular. And I think for me, you know, I can think sometimes, well, if Carlos is not being spiritual or he's not doing it, then I don't have to submit. No, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible says that I need to trust God and still submit myself to God. And allow myself to be ruled over by my husband. And, you know, I'm super grateful for the husband that God gave me. And I think we need to be super grateful for our husbands, um, even if they're not disciples. And um, I don't know if there's any sisters in here who have husbands that are not disciples. The Bible also says in First Peter that they can be won over by our behavior, by the reverence that we have for God and for them, and just giving them their proper place of respect. Respect. And again, that takes faith and it takes humility because if we don't trust God and we don't trust the word, then we're incapable of it in and of ourselves. I know I'm not. I'm super prideful and um, sinful. And so I think, um, you know, I love the word because it's so radically different from the world and everything that we've learned. And it really does produce an awesome marriage. Um, again, um, you know, we've done it both ways. We have done it where we have not obeyed any of it. We've just thrown it all out. Um, but thank God for discipleship. I think we have everything. God has given us everything we need in the kingdom. He's given us um, older women, you know, like Elena, like like um, Jeannie, who are amazing examples. I mean, I love Kip and Elena. I love them so much. Kip is He's, he's a fearless leader, and he leads all of us. But I know that as awesome as he is, I know that he, if he didn't have Elena, that God gave him, and if Elena was not in her role, then Kip would be hindered. And she's always a great example to me. You know, she's, she is very humble, and she's super, I've, she's always humble. I don't think I've ever seen her be prideful. <laughs> You know, because we have couples D times, and sometimes, you know, you can get into it. Right? She's always humble, and it's like, ah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that. You learn so much by watching. And so our life and doctrine does matter, like, like even if we have a non-believing spouse. And there's times where I've been a non-believing spouse, where I'm just, like, out to lunch. And Carlos, if he's, if, you know, when he's in his role and he's being spiritual, it just... It humbles me, and it helps me so much. So um, I'm super grateful, and um, there's no shame in being ruled over. And we'll end it at the beginning in Genesis 2. 
Verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You know... The Bible says that a man will leave his father and mother. Obviously, he came from a good family. He had both father and mother. I didn't. I only grew up with my mom. But guess what? As soon as I came into the kingdom, I had spiritual fathers and mothers who took me in and showed me how to be a man. I didn't know. When you grow up only with a mom, you just don't, you just don't know. You think, hey, that's, I'm going to be a man, but I don't know what that is. I just know it's a man. Oh! You know, that's it. You know, now, and, and if, if maybe you haven't had both parents, guess what? You have so many spiritual parents here in the kingdom of God that can help you and show you how to be a man of God. So that way you can be united and God can use the both of you to be fruitful for Him and to make go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. Amen. And at the end of the day, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Yes. Just like in this match, when you light it, no shame in being a match. No shame in being a disciple. Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.